And welcome in, everybody. This is the Falcons podcast, and I changed it up just a little bit this morning, so hopefully we are getting more notifications out to our Facebook friends because it didn't work so well last time, and we were really short on audience. We missed you guys. We missed you guys coming on Facebook. So when you're coming in, hit that like and share button. Uh, I am Scott Kennedy, your host. This is Nick Kendall, my co-host today. I'm in Atlanta. He's in Seattle, so we are coast-to-coast with your Atlanta Falcons and NFL football talk today and want to dig into some things. Falcons had a new signing. Uh, we'll preview some Bears and Falcons this weekend. We will also revisit, because we can't help ourselves, the 2021 NFL draft and what might have been with Justin Fields or Kyle Pitts or Micah Parsons or however you wanted to look at that one. Uh, some rookies that are playing very well, some you know, some Drake London talk, and then uh, the Draft Network has their one of their latest drafts out. So who do they have the Falcons taking? So a lot to unpack here, Nick. So welcome in. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty well. I can't complain too much. Uh, it's cold right now, but and we're halfway through November and it's so dark. Uh, <laughs> I leave for work. It's dark. I get home. It's dark. That's the one of the negatives about the tilt of the earth and the Pacific Northwest. But, you know. Can't complain. Uh, life's good and excited to talk some football with you guys. It would be nice if the Broncos could start scoring a little bit of points here, um, but, you know, can't beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, I um, lived when well, I went to Auburn, which is right on the Georgia state line, which is the cutoff for central time zone. So I'm basically grew up as far west in the eastern time zone as you can get in Atlanta and then was living as far east as you can get in the central time zone in Auburn. And it would get dark it, it, in the in the winter. It was dark at four. Yep. You know, so, uh, you know, four, four thirty. If you had a four o'clock class, you were coming home in the dark. So um, let me see here. And uh, Kevin F. Kevin's uh, coming in. He says, I'm on. Um, I'm on with YouTube. Facebook isn't up yet. Good morning, guys. So hopefully it's running now. Um, I'm on Atlanta Falcons. Hey, let me hit that play button. It is playing, so we're glad you were able to find us here regardless, So, And Joe is in this morning on Facebook as well, so it's getting there. And I will laugh every time I look at that uh, picture of Marcus Marietta that Joe uses for his profile picture. Marco Ranquillo in bright and early, the first one in this morning, says, uh, Good morning, Scott and Nick, on the Falcons podcast. So good morning, Michael. We appreciate you being here. Um so the Falcons got some news yesterday. They signed a safety who had spent some uh, spent last year on the practice squad with the Kansas City Chiefs named Devin Key out of, I had it as UCF, but that doesn't sound right. He was out of uh, Western Michigan. Was he the Hilltoppers? Uh, that sounds that sounds right. But he played, uh, played four years there, played almost 50 games, uh, started nearly all of them. Lots of very physical, lots of tackles, uh, hit the practice squad. So, um, you know, not a guy I expect to see here on the field anytime in the near future, but always, you know, good to see him coming in. Always good to see them working and trying to do stuff to to address their team. Speaking of safeties, Nick, did you see who joined the 90 club with the uh, on pro football focus last week from the Atlanta Falcons? Was it Richie Grant? Speaking of 2021 draft picks, Richie Grant. So. Um, he didn't stand out to me as having an outstanding game, but he, you know, I wasn't keying on him like someone who was grading him. And I've said before, I think the, 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 the pro football focus guys for the Atlanta Falcons do a pretty good job. Uh, you know, basically what I see and, and that's, you know, unfortunately my ego talking, uh, doesn't mean I'm wrong. <laughs> um, what I see 
I see them grade fairly closely, you know. So I, I think, okay, this guy's playing well. I look at their grade. Hey, he got a good grade. It's not always like that with PFF, um, you know, where some guys look awful. And then, uh, and Kevin says, Facebook is up. Well, good. Well, spread the word, Kevin. Bring some, you know, hit that like button and, and, and share and let some people know. Um, but so Richie Grant having a 90 plus joining the 90 club is good news for the Atlanta Falcons. Second year safety kind of coming into his own. Um, gives me some hope for Rashad Fenton. You know, uh, what did Casey Hayward look like the first couple games he played and he had all camp with the Atlanta Falcons and, and a Dean Peace defense? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, <clears throat> all camp and uh, will be interesting uh, to see how it plays out. I'm excited. I'm excited for the game this week, too. I mean, after the horrible uh, offensive output that we saw for the Falcons and my Broncos and my Hawkeyes this week, uh, luckily the Bears coming uh, with the Bears next on the schedule for the Falcons and the Falcons. Uh, what would you put there over under on in this game? Uh, what would be acceptable? Is it 20, 26? I feel like the Bears have given up 30 plus points since the season started. So the the Bears over under in this game, I'd put for, it probably the, right around 50. For the Falcons scoring though. Just the, oh, Falcons. For the Falcons scoring, I, I would say, you know, 24 to 28. Okay. That's that's that seems about right. So it should be a good get right game. I'm curious to see who the quarterback ends up being. I think it'll end up being Mariota, but uh, man, I feel like this, the the pull to play Ritter, if he's struggling and you see Justin Fields on the other side doing amazing plays, is going to be pretty, pretty darn strong. I I just don't think, I, I think I said it almost word for word doing my Arthur Smith impression on Monday of what he was going to say when the question came up, and I think I got it almost spot on. I meant to look it up, and I was going to play it again. It's like, hey, listen, we're right in the middle of this thing. You know, we're... We're right, you know, we're we're in the playoffs. There is no quarterback controversy. You know, there isn't one. And that's what he said. You know, there there is no situation. He's not going to say anything different publicly. Mm-hmm. But I just really feel like until they drop out of it, and Tampa's gonna have to win a couple games. You know, they're the Falcons are one game out of first place with Marcus Mariota as their quarterback. There aren't gonna be any drastic changes. Um yeah. you know, and, and Michael Rothstein. Or, or I think it was Rothstein. I don't think it was Scott Bear. Um, Rothstein works for ESPN. Bear works for the official um, official site. I think it was Rothstein. He says, for all y'all calling for Ritter, what makes you think he would be the better option? You know, you, you know, you think he'd be the better option right now. What makes you think that? And and see, for me, that's kind of leading the witness. That's that's the wrong question to ask is if you had started with Ritter, where would he be now? And because we know where Marcus Mariota is, we know where he's going to be, where you know where he's going. And frankly, it's probably not good enough for a team with playoff aspirations. Can Ritter be that guy? Now you're thinking we're, you know, we're trying to win ball games here. We're trying to win every game. Okay. Well, you're four and six. Okay. Yeah. You're a game out of the playoffs, but you're four and six. So it's not like you're, piling up the wins with Marcus Mariota you've got a worse winning you've got a worse winning percentage than you did last year so where would Ritter, where would Ritter be at the end of the season to start next year that that's the question not is he better right this second because probably not he's a rookie quarterback yeah but what could you possibly have been four and six right now with an ascending quarterback if you had started you weren't going to start with Ritter I get that but let's say you made that move week eight with the Carolina Panthers you went one and two, 
with Mariota starting? Could you have gone one and two with Ritter starting and have him on the ascendancy where after three or four games with that under his belt, where he is better than Marcus Mariota? It's possible uh, just to say that, you know, you never know. Maybe he gets hurt. Uh, there's always the, <laughs> it's the counterfactual, right? We're trying to project or redo the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we do he, here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's God bless. Um, I think the big thing is though, nobody expected the Falcons team to be this feisty. And it probably, when you're stringing along wins like that in the NFC North or NFC South is this bad. Uh, you just kind of got to keep rolling with uh, what's working. Even if the it's, pretty obvious at this point the offense is limited uh, with Mariota it's it's been more or less doing enough to outpace expectations so maybe Ritter would be further along maybe you'd have the evaluation of him maybe you'd be four and six and be like okay Ritter's probably not the guy now we're closer to picking a quarterback uh, but yeah we are uh, Mariota's been fine um, you know a uh, what do you call it when somebody's like holding on to like a position of power or a throne but they're not really the person in, in charge. You know the a word puppet. I'm talking? Okay, that's, I mean, that's not really a, it. He's but... a puppet of sorts, but that's not, probably not what you're looking for. No, it's either way. Um, he's just, you know, caretaking right now the uh, the position for whoever's next. You're just kind of idling along until it's somebody else. But uh, last game was the first one where I'm like, yeah, Ritter can't, Ritter can't be this bad. Ritter can't be making this many poor decisions. And while Ritter's not incredible in the drop back pass game, I think he's more of a full field reader. And I think you'd give some of those deep throws a little bit better chance. Cause some of those deep throws were just God awful. And I'm saying this hundred percent biased as a Kyle Pitts fantasy owner. Like, come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah. And, and for me, some of those with Kyle Pitts, it's not even the deep throws. It's the drags, you know, yeah. coming right, you know, a little drag route coming across the middle, a quick slant and you're skipping it to his feet. This guy's got, you know, a reach. It was well-documented of a pterodactyl. It's the longest, uh, longest wingspan of anybody since they've been measuring like for 30 years it was like 82 inches or something almost seven feet um almost a full seven feet um so what was i just looking up if if you look at you know if you're looking at stats and whatnot however yeah lame duck (laughs) um uh, and albert knopper is coming good morning albert appreciate you joining us in over on facebook hope you are doing well this morning um you know, depending on which stats or stats, you know, lies and statistics, those type of things. Uh, if you follow the QBR, which is ESPN's way of trying to redo the quarterback rating, Marcus Mariota's ninth. He's ninth in the NFL. I think they do a, probably do a better job of putting in the rushing, which is becoming more and more important in today's game. Uh, because right behind him it, or is uh, Marcus Mariota, then Derek Carr, then 11 is Justin Fields. Where if I sort by passer rating, because that's what that's what it is actually. It's it's passer rating and then quarterback rating. But passer rating, I go down and I find it takes me a while, takes me a long while to find uh, Marcus Mariota. But he's at fourteen, so not too bad. But again, his his attempts are so low. He's being put in very very good situations. Very. For the most part, easy passes, a lot of rollouts, a lot of play action, a lot of gimmies. Um, so, wow. Here and Albert coming in with some news. He says, I will be a grandpa again today, number 12. Good for you, man. That's a, that's a that's lot amazing. of grandkids. Yeah. God bless. <laughs> that's that's a, a lot of grandkids. I, uh, I, I made my parents. I was an only, so I doubled mine. My grandparents have two. My parents have two grandkids. <laughs> 
it's all about those uh, prospects. But congrats, Albert. That's amazing. Twelve. I mean, God, you got keep pushing there, and you'll be uh, fielding two football teams. Be awesome. Uh, you're uh, you already are over one. You can you know rotate a running back both ways back there or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, so- Marcus Mariota by the stats has been okay. Marcus Mariota to the eye test has been again. He would be one of those if you had a, a line that went through the 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 the. The, the the line chart if you drew a, a line it would be okay it'd be fairly steady it'd be okay he's about mediocre but the problem right now is the consistency yeah. he has a really good game and then a really bad game and then a really good game and then a really bad game and then an okay game so overall numbers are okay but it's really been up and down for him you're the consistency hasn't been there and well. frankly yeah. with a system tailored for him nick with a coach who's familiar with him We've, he's not a new guy in the league, you know, what, seven, eight years in the league. This is what we're going to get. I don't see it getting much better. Yeah, they're trying to protect him as much as possible by not overexposing him. And while I am very much a proponent of the quarterback run game, it's a great tool if you can have, and that's part of what makes the offense tick, uh, no doubt. He's not really a dynamic runner at the same time. I mean, you can watch, like, I'm talking like a level of like, Josh Allen, because of his size, can be a dynamic runner. Lamar Jackson, no dip. Dynamic runner. Mm -hmm. Justin Fields coming up this week. Dynamic runner. So Fields running is part of the offense, and no doubt it's what uh, part of what makes him a serviceable quarterback, but not to the extent where it can overcome the inconsistency in the timing and the dropback game that's severely lacking in Atlanta right now. Probably a bottom 10 dropback passing team in football. Luckily, the scheme has been so good with the run game that they've been able to overcome that. Uh, But at some point, especially with this defense, if you're looking to take that next step, you have to have a drop back pass game to stay in some games, push your way forward and uh, and compete. How much different is what Ritter did at Cincinnati? How much RPO did he do where, you know, hey, we're trying to win games. Ritter's not ready. Is that because you'd run a different, not a drastically different, but you definitely call different plays. We'd run a different offense for Ritter, you know, where you would do things enough differently that you're not really getting him the work in this offense to suit his best talent levels as much. Because Desmond Ritter's fast. He was the fastest guy. You know, we wouldn't talk about the, you know, Malik Willis is a better runner. No doubt about that. He's got more wiggle, more side to side. But straight line speed, Ritter can fly. He's a 4-5 guy. Uh, But that doesn't necessarily mean he is a good runner or a good option quarterback. Um, you know, there's, there's a difference between being fast and being able to run. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't know how well, uh, Ritter does the latter. He can pull it down and uh, take off for a first down if you want, but he's, again, he's not really a dynamic runner. I think he's doesn't really have much pop. Like if he's an open lane, he'll be fine, but he's not going to mm-hmm. make a guy miss in the hole. He's not going to step through a tackle. He's not going to get around an arm tackle too often, unless it's extremely weak, like in the pocket, like he can do some of that. But again, it's not the, the level where you can base uh, an offense completely around it as him as a running threat. It's, it can be a bailout option, uh, but not something where like he's been a horrible quarterback so far, but Malik Willis runs like a running back, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not like he's, he's an additional running back in the back. No, he's a run. He's a wildcat. He's a wildcat quarterback, quarterback right now, right now not a, for sure. Not a, not a passer. <clears throat> yep. Or like you have a uh, coming out in this upcoming draft, uh, Anthony Richardson uh, at Florida, who we'll see if he comes out or not. Uh, he's a redshirt sophomore, I believe. 
and he's probably one of the best athletes uh, in terms of physical tools of like, I mean, you put him up there with Josh Allen, Justin Fields, as far as tools, but he is super raw. Uh, he needs reps galore, um, mm-hmm. but he's been improving and he probably is going to run a four, four forty at about six, three, two forty. Um, he's he got some tools and that guy, you can actually function off of a runner while you hopefully nurture his pass game. I mean, whoever drafts him needs to see what the Eagles are doing with the uh, Hertz, see what the bears have been doing with fields recently and copy paste that to a tad. Uh, but Ritter's not that quarterback. I honestly, I think with Ritter, I'd like to have a little bit more uh, underneath options for him to get the ball as well. Somebody who's like a quick uh, static kind of receiver, maybe even a Calvin Ridley type, uh, just to give him a go-to option in man coverage. Cause I feel like in zone, he can slice and dice you up. He can run uh, if it's there for him. But um, a lot of times in man, I don't know if he, uh, if you guys have that man beater uh, right now, so to speak, that's going to generate a lot of space in the pass game that he, uh, he can cling no, on. The man beaters back. right now are, okay, my guy's bigger than yours. And AE, welcome in, coming in on, on YouTube. Um, appreciate you being here. Dom also as well. It says, good morning, uh, Scott, Nick, and Dog Nation. Um, the man beater right now is pure is size. You know, mm-hmm. is I've got a couple of guys. And there, Kyle Pitts is listed at 6'6", six, six, you know, and, and Drake London at 6'4". When they walk out there, their helmets are level. Drake London's huge. He's he's big. So they're very, very similar in size. And look who's coming in, our buddy Bama X with the $20 Super. Coming in nice and orange. Love it, man. Appreciate your uh, your support today. As a reminder, like Bama X, if you like what you're doing, <clears throat> want to see more, uh, keep us going. Keep the lights on. Keep the internet streaming. Uh a great way to support this is with Super Chats or Stars on Facebook. So appreciate you coming in, Bam X. Got anything you want to know? Because we're going to be starting to talk draft here very, very soon. Uh, we'll, we'll, start, we'll start to pivot one of these shows. We do two. We'll start to pivot one of them to draft because Nick and I both love the draft, frankly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, your man beaters right now, Nick, are basketball players. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Pitts and Drake London. And neither of which are really excellent route runners uh they're good athletes they're young they're probably fine at route runners for their size but that's not like their calling card like if they had a madden trait or whatever they call it with this the special talent route running would not be one of them um so separation separation that maybe that's it i don't have yeah, to play they, i don't game. know what they call it but how you get good separation neither one of them are and they, and they don't have to to be special no. they don't have to get good separation because they are so much bigger and stronger than anybody that's going to be uh covering them uh roger cook coming on youtube Saying afternoon all. Good afternoon, Roderick. And uh, Steve Kennedy coming in says, good morning, gentlemen. Who's that little guy right there? That's been a while because that little guy is looking you in the eye right now. (laughs) Saying good morning, gentlemen. So, um, you know, revisiting before we dive into uh, the the, uh, Chicago Bears-Atlanta Falcons game, we'll we'll take a look at, you know, their quarterback, Justin Fields. the earlier returns last year weren't great for the quarterback position, despite it being a good class. And frankly, of the the, the four guys we've seen and the one we haven't in Trey Lance, so there were five, I think, that went in the first round. I think the returns after a year and a half on three of them have been okay. Trevor Lawrence is good, and Justin Fields is starting to round into shape. Mac Jones is okay. He was drafted later. Um, and Zach Wilson, I just, I'm not sure about. Yeah, uh, Zach Wilson hasn't been good. My my quarterback ranking in that draft class was, uh, I believe it was Lawrence number one, Fields number two, 
Wilson number three, field uh Lance four, and then Mac five. I'm I'm a tools guy. I think you mm-hmm. gotta have it, and I'd rather swing and miss on a tools guy than hit for a single with a oh he's cerebral but he can't move in the pocket and he doesn't have a good arm. Like sorry, like you're seeing the limitations right now with Mac Jones. Uh you gotta bring a little bit extra to the table, be a playmaker, not just a distributor back there, in my opinion, in today's NFL. Yeah, but, and even uh, if it's not the the arm strength, then what's the release? You know, how quick can you get the ball out? Your you know yeah. your processing that stuff can all be elite in quarterback play, uh, is the quick release and being able to deliver the ball from several different angles, that type of thing. Um, you don't necessarily have to be a a runner, but you do have to have the arm. When I saw Mac Jones at the Senior Bowl, and I watched him in Alabama, but then I watched him at the Senior Bowl. I'm like, all right, you know, this guy, I think he's got a chance to sneak into the back end of the first. Maybe this is someone, because I was an advocate for the Falcons trading down. I knew how many holes they had. We all did. Trading out of that four spot, and by God, if they could have gotten the deal from the 49ers that the Dolphins did, I would have bitten your hand off for that deal, um, which was two extra first-round picks. So the Dolphins got three first-round picks for that spot that the uh, the Niners use for Trey Lance at three and then the Falcons story of their lives were at four (laughs) and only Um, down to 12 too which is not very far Uh, yeah yeah because you know that was um the uh the the Bears actually made a pretty aggressive move to move up and take Justin Fields um I was an advocate um for take for for trading down first but then I was very adamant about taking Justin Fields, um, mm-hmm. knowing that you could get out from Matt Ryan's contract after a year, you could try at least, or at least after two for sure. And that would be a good time to have him mentor Justin Fields, no pressure, because you weren't going to be very good while you're digging out from this salary cap. And then you got your, your franchise quarterback. Uh, the early returns were good. People are impatient. Justin Fields looks terrible. Um, Mac Jones is the only one that looks any good. Trevor Lawrence is a bust. Well, you know what? They go to bad teams and they're starting to round into shape a little bit. And Justin Fields is playing some pretty good football right now. Yeah. And also exceedingly young. Uh, that's something as well. Some of these quarterbacks come in. I think Mac Jones is 24, 25 years old already. Justin Fields is 22. Uh, so way less, um, I guess years. I mean, probably as many football, uh, reps but i mean the i think the age does count uh, when you're taking somebody that is that young so oh, yeah justin sure. fields is coming to age uh he's definitely very turnover prone right now in a lot of his plays i mean the, one of the reasons the bears lost that game against the lions is because justin fields threw a pick six now would the bears even have been in that game without justin fields probably not you know live by the sword die by the sword uh in that regard but and he's really coming to age and this is a game where given what we just witnessed on thursday night with the falcons run defense I would be very nervous uh, because it's it's not the you know big running back, your linebackers and defensive linemen and safeties have to bring their big boy pants to tackle a 240 pound run back running back. But Justin Fields makes you guard the whole field, not just vertically because the arm talent and the shots that they're taking with Claypool and Cole Komet, like three touchdowns in the last two games or something. But also he makes you guard the whole field horizontally, the rushing lanes, uh, the quick pass, the RPOs. I mean, and also you have to, Stay on your guys. Uh, you think a play is done normally. I don't know if you watched this last Bears game very much, but there was a third down where he made a rushing touchdown that was unbelievable. Um, it was only like, you know, a five-yard run, but he was in the backfield and scrambled out and made a couple guys miss and then dove into the end zone and bowled three guys over. Um, I don't know if I want my quarterback doing that in a season like this, but still, I mean, tell, tell me that guy doesn't want it. So uh, he's he's a really unique 
uh, player. I think the closest comp you can have right now for him as far as how you have to play against him is probably uh, Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. I think Lamar was better in the pocket pocket and decision making. Uh, but Lamar, terrible accuracy uh, coming out until he that MVP season. And I don't think we talk enough about how much Lamar's accuracy improved. Uh, but uh, he's he's a unique weapon and uh, he's really tough to play. It's kind of like I'm on a rant now, but uh, it's kind of like in high school when like the best athlete on the field is playing quarterback mm-hmm. and he's out there just doing things. It's like, well, yeah, that hasn't really been the case in the NFL since, you know, the Leatherhead days. But mm-hmm. with Justin Fields, you're kind of starting to see that again. Yeah, and uh, I agree with that. In high school, you see that a lot. You know, the the best athlete on the field is is the quarterback. Um, you know, and then they play safeties or wide receivers typically mm-hmm. um, when they move on, which which happens a lot. Or corner or cornerback. Eric Berry was a quarterback. Um, you know, uh, phenomenal quarterback, option quarterback. Got some good highlights of him up on my channel actually. Kevin Fitzpatrick says there seems to be a book developed on how to beat the Falcons. Without some offensive changes, I'm not encouraged about the rest of the season, regardless of the schedule. And Kevin, I think those changes would probably have to be personnel. Uh, and we're talking quarterback, aren't we? Because the book to beat the Falcons is contain the running game and make Mariota beat you throwing the ball from the pocket. That's you know that's a that's a thin book. <laughs> it's not a it's not taking a you know a encyclopedia okay you better do this and if that if they adjust to this and do that. no no it's it's you know hem him in contain the running game mm-hmm. and uh and, and make make him beat you downfield from the pocket um can he do it sometimes he can sometimes he can't and one of the reasons why the falcons are hovering around 500 um and the fact that they're hovering around 500 is still to me way overachieving don't get me wrong um, but Marcus Mariota is getting good money. He's 12 to $14 million. Um, and I, I think he, you expect a little bit more than what you're getting, a little bit more consistency than what you're getting, which is why some of the cries for Desmond Ritter are getting louder and louder and louder. Um, yeah. Lose and the Bears. Let me see. I think the Falcons are favored in this game. Is that three out of four? The Falcons are three point favorites. And what did I say the over under was? Uh, 50. It's 50. Nice. Good job. <laughs> it's 50. That's why I have trouble betting. I'm like, that's that's good. If I see something completely out of whack, like Titans and Broncos with a 40 over under when both of them are going to score, you know, 12 points, that's a two touchdown difference between what I think. This yeah. one I hit dead on. So, you know, 26 24 makes sense. 27 23. Yeah, 28-21, okay. All those all those are right in the neighborhood of where I think this game's going to be. Um, but yeah, in order to change how this offense plays, you're going to have to change a quarterback. Don't you think don't you think Nick to, to to open up the playbook a little bit for a little bit more downfield passing? The thing is we see some of the we see some of it opening up and he's just not hitting those guys. Yeah. And uh, this last game specifically really leans into that theory that we are uh, the offensive line, building an offensive line. It's the weak man uh, discussion where if you have, you can have four really good players and obviously that helps a lot. But if you have one guy who is just getting ragdolled out there, the entire offense is going to cease to function and the unit's going to look bad. So Colby Gossett, bless his heart at left guard, didn't, didn't belong out there against uh, Derek Brown and he got killed and it made the whole offense kind of go into a spiral. 
Well, and then you know, Derek Brown had his way with with everybody wherever he lined up because you know he he walked around Chris Lindstrom too, and Chris Lindstrom was playing pretty good. But Drew Dahlman, just watch a series. You know, we would like to ball watch, so we're 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 not always watching the line of scrimmage. But just if you're listening to this, just watch a series, watch a center. Drew Dahlman gets knocked back three to five yards instantly, right off the snap every time. Uh, if it's pass, if it's pass blocking then he's backing up already. If it's run blocking, that initial jolt off the line, he's getting knocked backwards, three yards. And a stretch playoff tackle then becomes a sweep because you you can't take that direct route to go off the right tackle, to go off the tackle or between the guard and the tackle. That stretch play is done. Anything between the guard and the center, anything up the middle is in trouble because your, your line of scrimmage has been reset. To have two guys like that you have last year's offensive line because the center wasn't good but wasn't the as big a problem because your left guard and Jalen Mayfield was so bad and Caleb McGarry played terribly uh as well but yeah you can see that for sure Marco Z coming in on YouTube love that dog says Justin Fields is playing like we all hoped Mariota would would play this year I I agree with that um now, Justin Fields, what are his numbers so far this year? Rushing? He's rushed for 300 yards in the last two games. Uh, I didn't expect that <laughs> um, out of Mariota. What's his, what's his rushing on the season? He's got to be knocking on the door of some, some records, I would think. I remember Michael Vick broke 1,000 yards, which was a record at the time. Uh, He's on pace to obliterate. Invested, but I'm not sure. But, but uh, Justin's at 750 right now. He's on pace to obliterate the uh, all-time uh, quarterback rushing single-season record uh, that was set by Lamar Jackson uh, just a few seasons ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, he's he's doing fine. Um, he's playing yeah. well. He's still you still have a ways to go, I think, in the the pass game um, mm-hmm. for him to become a successful uh, quarterback long term. But I mean, even without the pass game succeeding, his uh, or succeeding to a great extent, the rushing game is opening things up for them. Uh, in the past game, they're getting better, more static looks. The run lanes, run lanes for the running backs are more open, and uh, he is improving steadily but surely. I mean, one of the things that you and I both loved about Justin Fields coming out was the accuracy uh, coming out. It's not just you know he's throwing the ball and it's you know hitting the sideline on half the reps. Uh, he was super accurate. It's more the the processing, the full field reads, and learning to play within the pocket, you know, the subtle movements within structure versus the, okay, it's not there. Put my foot in the ground and run. Unfortunately, the bears seems not unfortunately, but it seems like the bears have kind of leaned away from that a little bit with way more designed runs and letting Justin Fields be Justin Fields. He's going to have to uh, develop into a guy who becomes more of that pocket quarterback. But this is what I've always said about quarterbacks like Justin Fields or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or, Anthony Richardson coming out of Jalen Hurts, that athleticism early on is a crutch. Now, can it develop some bad habits? Potentially, but at least it's a get-out-of-jail-free card early on when you're getting those live reps that you're not getting on the bench. And then um, over time, hopefully you can improve those things and continue to work on them. I mean, most of your work and improvement, uh, besides the live experience and reps, comes in the offseason. So hopefully like the, the feel, the pace, reading the guys, the chemistry, that most of that work will be done in March through August, and then you'll have the live reps again. But I, I love to have that athleticism to fall back on because, again, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card. And on top of that, 
Scott, you'll roll your eyes at this one, but it's, it's, a, it's about scheme. Also, I think in today's NFL, with how much teams are playing two high safety looks and with how much teams are uh, emptying the box, having a quarterback that can consistently make teams uncomfortable and have to play cover three, have to play base, have to play cover one uh, is is great because that's how you're getting explosive plays down the field. Teams right now, defenses, thanks to Vic Fangio, are doing everything in their freaking power to take away the explosive pass plays by playing two deep safety sets. You know what's making that hard to do? a dynamic running quarterback. I bet you the Falcons this year, um, one of probably one of the top 10 teams in terms of uh, single high safety looks because of what they're doing in the running game. And that's resulting in explosive pass plays that are there for the taking. Yeah. So 150 yards of passing per game for him. So, you know, I think you're running a cloud. Um, you know, you're, you're going to see maybe three linebackers out there um, or, you know, in this case, defensive backs, because he's going to outrun most of your linebackers is the thing. So, you know, do you do you have an extra defensive back that comes in and he's your your nickel player, Richie Grant? I wouldn't mind Richie Grant closer to the line of scrimmage. I'd rather have him closer and keeping an eye on the run game than I'm worried about Justin Fields beating me with the passing game. I think it's a Troy Anderson spy game. I think it's a mm-hmm. I know that he's not as athletic as Fields, but if he can stay on top of him with, you know, you have the angle if you are ten yards difference he's than where not he's far taking. off either, though. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and and also 30 pounds heavier. And if he gets a couple shots on there, fields will slow down hundred <laughs> percent. And the, with just given with the angle, considering where he's at, he should be able to close the space. Also quarterback spy. Um, it's tell him not to take the cheese in the run game. Yes. You're conceding a little bit to the running back, but the explosives aren't coming from the, not the, the non fields running game. The Khalil Herbert was just put on IR for the bears this week. So they have David Montgomery, who's a really powerful back, uh, Hurts me to say because he's an Iowa State guy. Why can't those Iowa State running backs come to Iowa? Um, but Justin Fields is where the explosives are coming from. So I say don't take the cheese. Don't worry about the jet sweeps to Darnell Mooney. You're going to have to let the other guys do that. You know, it's real simple for you. See that number one? He doesn't get past you. If he does, that's it's your job to make sure that doesn't happen. Give up the five. Don't give up the 50 going for the minus five. Yep. You know, it's it's yep. it's okay if they're they're not going to beat you going five yards at a time. You know, yeah. if, if they're, they're going to beat you, if I, like you said, take the cheese and he's going the other direction, and he's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just, like I thought we talked about, I think on Monday, wouldn't mind me to have, you know, the brackets. If, if I'm worried about Troy Anderson going the wrong direction, well, I'll, I'll just limit him to one side of the field, you know, and I've got Rashawn Evans or I run Richie Grant up there. I run a base nickel, something like that with four down, four down in the front. My other linebacker, ends up being Richie Grant. Okay, Richie, you got this side of the field. Troy, you got this side of the field. If he goes wide, if he comes up the middle, I want you both to hit him. Um, and then you can, you know, cover underneath. But the passing game certainly doesn't scare you yet. One of the things, going back to Justin Fields, that, that convinced me, um, you know, coming out of coming out of Georgia, he was, uh, he was over in Kennesaw, goes to the University of Georgia, and then leaves. Well, obviously, you know, there's going to be a lot of negative talk about the guy who's leaving him. You know, they left. Oh, he can't compete. He's not tough enough, blah, blah, blah. When James Skalski about cut him in half uh, with a shot to the ribs in that game, in the, in the, it was a semifinal of the college football playoffs, and he comes in and still is throwing the ball 60 yards on a dime uh, for, for passes. I'm like, toughness? Okay, done. I'm I'm good. This this kid's tough. And you you mentioned it again at the beginning of the show, Nick, where you said you know he he beats these guys, dives over three people, you know, 
he gets through. in the maybe I don't want him taking those hits. And I get that. I do. I, I agree with you. But you know who that's going to fire up, and you know who's going to be on his side. His teammates. teammates. You know yeah. that's that's leadership, and the tools are obvious. The tools are absolutely obvious. I mean, he's fast. His arm is fantastic. He throws the ball on the well run. He's robo quarterback. So can you, you know, but you know who else was Jamarcus Russell? Um, he, he wasn't, can he do, can he play the position? Can he be a quarterback? I know he's a runner and thrower that much. I know, but can he play quarterback? Can he do all the other things? And the answer to me watching him play finishing up at Ohio state was yes, absolutely. And I think he's running into that position. I did a, a bears podcast and I asked him about this. Cause you know, we're, we're, we're draft guys. And I, I asked him, I said, you know, what, what did you see this year? And they said it was almost criminally negligent how they handled Justin Fields last year. I said, it sounds to me like your head coach didn't want a quarterback and basically took it out on Justin Fields. They like, you hit it. You, you named it right on the head. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see here. I want to say good morning to some folks who have come in. Um, Mark Turner's come in. This is morning, guys. Only one word today. Accuracy. Yeah, both sides. Both sides for sure. Um Hey, he asked a question. He says, off subject, do you think Mike Vick should be in the Hall of Fame because he changed the quarterback position? I think it's going to be really hard given the years that he missed uh, in the in the league, and nobody wants to hear that. Um, I'm not going to go down the path of all that off-the-field stuff, but uh, I think given the overall body of work with the volume, it's probably not going to happen. Also, the the PR backlash the league would probably face from something like that, I just I, I can't imagine it happening uh but no doubt he did change the quarterback position and uh was a i mean to get that level of athlete out there he he somewhat i think he defined an era somewhat and also changed he did change the quarterback i don't think we're i don't think so i, I don't think today. so i mean okay. you go if we go back and that's where for me a is like he doesn't necessarily change position he just he may have been a little bit more athletic than the people in front of him roger staubach Fran Tarkington, Randall Cunningham, Steve Young. These guys were all dynamic runners and throwers. Very, I mean, dynamic. Roger the Dodger, for goodness sakes. You know, Fran Tarkington, look up some of his highlights. The guy, you know, he was he was incredibly mobile. Randall Cunningham. We know about Randall Cunningham. Now, did was was Mike Vick a better runner than those guys? overall yeah probably Athlete, but he, he yeah. wasn't the passer that any of those four were so did he change it no I, I don't think so did he did he do the running aspect of it better than anyone that had come before him probably probably i think Does he, he did change to be in the hall i don't i don't know I, I don't know if he's got the numbers there to, to to back that up i don't think he i think he did change the course a bit though that probably influenced a lot of young uh, athletes to play quarterback probably changed a lot of minds of coaches. Like, okay, we don't have to have this uh, Drew Bledsoe style of quarterback to work I in the NFL. Some of that's been natural with baseball. Honestly, I've said this a zillion times, yeah. you know, the, with the, with the, uh, you know, it, it used to be the, the, in the South, it used to be a lot of wing tees and everything. And, and it's gone more spread because you can do seven V sevens all year, you know, football became a year round sport with the passing leagues and all that type of stuff. But also EPA shows that passing the ball is far more efficient and explosive than rushing mm-hmm. the football. Yep. Yeah. The rules have changed, yep. but I think 
you know, I've said this a zillion times. Why is quarterback play so bad now? And it is. It's the the throwing of the ball is as low as it's been in a long time, uh, considering all the rule changes. You know, when you're you're running guys out there that look like they do, and you're like, are you are you joking me? Ike, I've said a hundred times. I'll say it again. If it's your first time listening, go back to the last ten years and look at last fifteen years. Look at Major League Baseball drafts. Okay, in the first two rounds you're going to see 30 guys that are 6'3 plus that say either LHP or RHP, left-handed pitcher, right-handed pitcher, that are 6'3 plus. There's your big arms. They're playing baseball because there are now 15 guys on a roster times 30-something teams. That's 450 guys in the majors. The concussions and injuries have all taken their toll on the quarterback position as well for, you know, just because of, if I'm an elite athlete with an elite arm and could be a division one guy and I got a choice between baseball and football, more guys are choosing baseball right now because of the longevity, the opportunity, uh, the safety, all of those things. So for me, baseball has changed the way football is played more than the success of Michael Vick or Randall Cunningham or anything like that. So, yeah, I won't fight you too much on that. Um, <laughs> for sure. Uh, that there's, I think basketball too, uh, getting gaining even more and more popularity since the uh, Jordan days. Basketball has always been huge though. It's just God, it's so hard. I think the NBA is the hardest league in the the hardest professional league in the in the in the world to make. I mean, when you've got to put in a rule that says you have to sign your first round draft pick, I mean, people are dying to trade away first round draft picks if they're not in the if they're not in the top five. We don't yeah. want those guys. They can't play. Yeah, it's you know, there's 12 men, there's, there's there's 12 guys on a team and it's the hardest. There's so many people that play basketball. It's such a great sport. Again, I, I like it, though, because there, there are more opportunities yeah. um, to earn a living as opposed to the NFL. Basketball just makes me want to makes me cry because I see, you know, a six foot five guy slashing and I'm like, that was a pass rusher in a different life. That guy could have been an incredible edge. These rusher. six three shooting guards. I'm like, you're big. You can. You, I can get you scholarship money tomorrow. I promise yeah. you. Yeah. God. Ugh. All right. Good. Big Al coming in here uh, with the uh, the American flag and the deer logo. There. Got a hunter here. And Big Al, I'm guessing, saying good morning, gentlemen. Good morning to you, Big Al. Hope you're doing well. Happy Hump Day. Yep. Good morning, Big Al. Thanks for being here. And Joe Cannon says I completely agree. We're going back to the the spy talk. Anderson should be the quarterback spile game long. I, I can live with that. Uh, absolutely. Um, he is a mid four fours guy with good 240 pounds with good side to side, good lateral movement. Um, absolutely. Joe Clee coming in. Good morning, Clee. Appreciate you being here. Fields was playing in the NFL like he did during the Northwestern playoff games. Chicago has offensive one like Denver. Awful. Yeah. I, I don't remember what all that we, we got into it, but it, it's just like, they didn't address the offensive line. They didn't go after you know wide receivers. They basically just hung them out to dry last year. And it, like I said, I think it, the, the phrase that my my Bears friends used uh, in in the media was cr- like almost criminally negligent was how he was treated. I was like, oh, you got a new coach then, didn't you? And they're like, uh, yeah. Roderick says this is why I watch you guys, Scott. You're dead right talking about the uh, the, the the transitioning of sports. And, and um, <clears throat> where the athletes are going, because even 10 years ago, after all the concussions started getting talked about, participation at the youth level in football was down 10%. It hasn't gotten better. It, it, it hasn't improved. Um, there is, as a dad of a pretty damned good athlete, 
myself, my 13 year old is big, fast and strong. And I get some of that, you know, envy out there because playing football is different than playing any other sport. Football players are just treated differently. They, they just are seen as the rock stars. It's, if you're a good football player, it's different than being a good baseball player, a good soccer player. Basketball might be a little different, but it's definitely different. He's not going to be a basketball player. <laughs> it's different than soccer, baseball, it's football. And I know how good he'd be. And it's just, yeah. I'm like, oh, I want him to get out there and, and, and show it. And then every game I watch, people are getting pulled off on carts, you know, yeah. and, and my friend, I've, I've mentioned him before. He's got a son that's, he, he played, he played a uh, offensive lineman in the league for about eight years. And his son is every bit as athletic there are him and sh- him and my son are neck and neck. Uh, Spencer's probably about 20 pounds. So he's a seventh grader. He's five, 10, 160 pounds and can fly smooth. I said, and he, he only plays baseball and basketball right now. And I said, Hey, can you going to let him play football? He goes, maybe in high school. He goes, he goes, I, I see the kids out there. I know what he would do. And you know, he'd, he'd run ragged over these guys and they'd run him into the ground and he'd always be sore and he'd always be beat up. So that, that tells me a lot about the ego of this. You know, he knows how good he would be and that's why he doesn't want him out there. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I can learn a little bit. I can learn a little bit from from him. So anyway, sorry for the for the rant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh it's frustrating. So we got Abel coming in. Fields and Mariota numbers are pretty similar. I I mean, Fields played pretty poorly the first few games of the season, and then I think from that New England game on, something clicked. Uh, so if you look at the last four games, probably not pretty similar. Also, I will say the overall system and infrastructure around fields while it's not or around uh, Mariota while it's not amazing. Uh, you're probably still trying to figure out the offensive line long-term and a drop back pass game injuries at running back. And you have two lottery picks at wide receiver uh, significantly better than what the bears are dealing with, with uh, Justin Fields. That offensive line has maybe one guy right now that you like long-term and uh, they do have Darnell Mooney. who's kind of a gadget guy and they traded for um Oh gosh, who did they trade for? The wide receiver from the Steelers, uh, who just be just by being there has opened up the offense a bit. But I this is why you need to watch the tape and look at the overall system, uh, in my opinion, versus just the raw data. And uh, their passing numbers are pretty similar now. Mer- now Fields has flown by him on the rushing numbers, but as Nick was saying, and I'll just put it in a different way: is Fields' like, numbers are on the ascendancy. You know his his numbers are his numbers are on the way up. He's improving. I don't know that we can say the same about Marcus Mariota. And again, got a 23-year-old second-year quarterback. He's supposed to improve. He's supposed to go this way. So going back to the question for Michael Rothstein, is what makes you think that Desmond Ritter is better right now than Marcus Mariota? It's not that he's better right now this second. It's how long would it take, and is it possible for him to pass for their lines. If, if Ritter's here right now, and for those of you listening after the fact, I got a low hand and then a high hand for Marcus Mariota, and I go along a timeline, when does Ritter cross? Is it this year? Two, three games? Two, three years? Now? Those are the questions you know that we ask, we don't have the answers for. Again, it might be obvious in practice that Ritter ain't it. It might be. And we'll find that out in the, in the draft and free agency, won't we, Nick? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. We'll figure it out here pretty soon, and uh, it will be fun. And I guess we got to ask the question here before we wrap it on up. Um, 
knowing what we know now, uh, who would you take, Scott? And John Pope coming in and saying, I don't think Mariota is improving. He keeps making the same mistakes. Mariota is who he is, who he is, who he is uh, right now. I guess, if anything, he's on the other end of the roller coaster, and you can see injuries and whatnot start to take away uh, some ability from him, but don't see him improving markedly. Uh, he's, and I thought of the word, Scott, it's a steward. Steward is the person who takes care of the throne or a caretaker. Or, yeah. Yep. So I did little uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, Return of the King in there, the steward of Gondor. Um, but uh, right now, Mario is the steward of the quarterback position in Atlanta. Is Ritter the heir apparent? Third round pick would say probably not, but he's still talented enough where, you know, you might figure out something there mm-hmm. down the stretch here. It really comes down. If Mariota wants to keep playing, win the game. Uh, if the, the more you win, the longer you're still, or the longer you are still in legit contention in the NFC South, the longer you're going to see uh, Mariota out there. But if they keep losing and the offense keeps looking this defunct, it, eventually you're going to be out of it. And then it's okay. We're in evaluation right now. We're in development right now. Uh, we have a top 15 pick in the draft. We could easily get into the top five if we really wanted to, to go get a quarterback. There's, four quarterbacks right now that seem like they have first round hype uh something to consider and we got bama x coming in saying john mariota is what he is at this point in his career oh yeah john mariota is what yeah, he he's is yeah career. he's responding to john and, and, and yeah and that's the thing it's like is he good enough i i know again it's the fool's gold you say don't take the cheese you're four and six yeah. you know you're you're you got half a roster yes i am one game out of a playoff spot. That's what the NFL wants you to think. They expand the playoffs and make everybody crappy. So these crappy teams still think they have a chance. Don't take the cheese again. How much different would you be if, if it was Ritter? And again, I ask these questions. I've said a zillion times, Nick, questions are easy. Answers are hard. I'd like to find out. I really would. Um, They may already know, you know, for as much as you can, you know, like I said, it's gotta be obvious one way or the other, or they're just, you know, I've seen some people say, oh, they don't want Ritter out there behind this offensive line. The offensive line isn't that bad. Marcus Mariota's not taking a bunch of shots. You know, he's not he's not standing back there and getting killed for the most part. Um, the offensive line is improved enough that they can be competent enough to that I'd feel okay putting a, a first-year quarterback back there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, to me, it's not the offensive line. To me, this is we are trying to win every – they're living in the moment the, right now, the way they're playing, uh, which is okay. It, that's okay. If they think they've got a chance, they think Mariota is the better option. Okay. Um, until it's not, uh, which against the bears, that could be the end of this three and, you know, four and seven. You're not living in the moment anymore. You're, yeah. you're not. Yeah. Especially with Tampa seeming to maybe get some things uh, figured out there. So going to be an evaluation period, but I mean, really it's hard for this Falcons team to compete. You're competing with both hands tied behind your back. Mm-hmm. And one of the probably least talented personnel defenses in the entire NFL. So the fact that you're even four wins in, I mean, Scott, I think predicted three or four wins for the whole season. I either said two and 15 or three and 14. So definitely outpacing what your expectations were credit to the staff here and excited to see what this team can do this year where they are unshackled uh, a bit by the dead cap. Still going to have some, I think the Dion Jones, uh, trade is going to have a little bit of dead cap on it still. But I mean, the Julio Jones and the Matt Ryans are going to make it a very the fun. Deion Jones one should be offset by um, the cap savings they got this year when they redid his contract. Yeah. So that one should be neutral. The, he's going to have a dead cap number, but their salary cap will go up next year. So it should be offset is, is the only reason that they 
they did that. Otherwise, it didn't make any sense at all to do that. Um, John Pope, we could be 8-2 and two if Marietta didn't turn the ball over, though. There's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts that come in game after game after game, you know, where you know the, the other team is missing plays, too. We tend to forget that as fans. It's like, oh, man, if you didn't drop this ball or if you didn't fumble there, well, what about their players? You know, what about the three plays they didn't make? You know, at the end of the day, the table's the table. The standings are the standings. You're four and six. You overachieved at seven and ten last year. Now, before we get out of here, I want to talk about a prediction. Um, you know, you're looking at the Atlanta Falcons have the worst passing defense again in the NFL. But that doesn't really scare you so much in this game, does it? No, not not so much. Uh, I guess the big issue here is the Falcons is you need to play – you can't give up the big play. Uh, the Bears right now offense, because of what Justin Fields does, uh, there are broken plays on the back end, and then you see Cole Komet 30 yards down the field on the other other sideline. That is, there's nobody within a county mile of him. Uh, so you got to make sure that you're disciplined and keeping your assignments and uh, not letting the plays extend far beyond um, you know, the one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, five kind of thing, which Fields can do. So it's not going to be the shredded you know consistent drop back pass game i think but they can throw a couple haymakers there and you know 80 yard touchdown can completely change the complexion of the game and then they can salt it away with the run game on top of it which that's the difference between the broncos and the bears right now <laughs> broncos can get those explosive pass plays but then they run and bust their head in the wall three times and punt the next time but um yeah no you're not you're not as worried about the pass game especially with the cornerbacks here uh the big thing about the cornerbacks is everybody's got to tackle and that's always a concern in the open field with backup cornerbacks um, the defense for the bears is bad. Their rush defense is bad. One, two, three, four, five, the fifth worst rushing defense that bodes well for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, if I can run through you, if the Falcons can run the ball, they're going to dictate the game. Um, I like their chances of being able to do this. I can see a game similar to the Detroit lions where Justin Fields plays well, gets his numbers and they score a lot of points and it's, 26 24 birds um this is the third game and the first non-panthers game they've been favored i do like the falcons in this one based on the matchup where the you can you can commit bodies to the run to stop the run at least slow to run down if you've got a bad passing defense you're just in trouble um yeah i can slow the run make justin fields beat you with his arm He'll get some of his with the with the with the scrambling, but let him get five. Don't let him get fifty. Uh, John Pope has a question. He says, "Here's a random question: Why the Falcons cut Anthony Rush? I see a direct correlation between cutting him and the rushing defense getting worse." Now I, I wonder, did it? It's hard to tell because they give up so many yards through the air. <laughs> that why should I run the ball? You know, their rush defense. I don't remember the last time the rush defense was good. Um, Anthony rush was kind of a one trick pony. He was heavy, which the Falcons needed at the time, but he was very immobile laterally. So in that three, four, he was a plug, but he wasn't very effective because his lateral movement was so bad. And frankly, he didn't go forward that well. He just kind of stood there and took up space, which is okay as a three, four nose guard. Mm -hmm. Um, they brought in Abdullah Anderson who's played really well. Um, Timmy Horn is someone else they kept. And there was one more. I want to say there was there was one more player that they brought in who's playing that other spot uh, in the middle because and then the other part of this for a rotation spot, Taquan Graham's been phenomenal. 
I, I love the way second year player out of Texas, fourth or fifth round draft pick. He's been for me the biggest story of the season. Uh, one of the reasons I, you know, mentioned two and 15 or three and 14 this season was because the defensive line personnel didn't really improve and the offensive line personnel didn't really improve. Eli mm-hmm. Wilkinson's been really good when he's been playing. Uh, Caleb McGarry has taken a step forward. Uh, Taquan Graham has been really, really good next to Grady Jarrett. And that to me is the biggest reason this team has improved. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, also you have much better bodies at the edge rush position mm-hmm. um, where that makes a massive difference. Uh, I expected that though. Like it, yeah. that one, that one, it couldn't get any worse. Yeah. You know, I, ex- I expected that to improve. I didn't expect Graham to make this leap. I didn't expect Eli Wilkinson to play to be that much better than what we had last year. And I really didn't expect Kayla McGarry to take a big step forward either. I know those were all, those were all good surprises this season. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And, uh, got to start hitting on some of those guys late and developing. So that way you can dig yourself out of this, uh, hole. I mean, what is it? Dean peace said the Falcons haven't had a top 10 defense in 25 years or something. 30 years. Went yeah, to the Super so. Bowl, probably. <laughs> probably. Uh, Michael Ronquillo coming in here before we start to wrap on up, saying, great show today, Scott and Nick on Falcons Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your day, Michael. We'll see you tonight. It'll be Scott and I again over on the uh, Mile High Insiders for breakfast because uh, Luke has, uh, I think he his daughter has a choral performance. So got to take care of those things. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody joining us today. If you are uh, watching after the fact, uh, thanks for listening at the Falcons podcast at falconspodcast.com. You can come and check and see where you can watch on Spotify, listen on Spotify, Apple, uh, all the different places, just falconspodcast.com. So thanks everybody for being here today. Like Nick said, we will be uh, on Mile High Huddle tonight talking Broncos and Raiders. That all of a sudden becomes an interesting game. Does the loser of that game have a job on Monday? Um, we'll, we'll dive into that. And, uh, as Nick likes to say, you know, choose compassion and choose kindness. As I like to say, we'll see you next time.